Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hey, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Woohoo! And we've got Grant here with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is Grant Lyon, world-famous comedian and recent board game reviewer and designer. So we'll have a lot of fun talking to him about that. Super happy to have you on the show, Grant. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. And thank you so much for hyping me up and saying world-famous. I'm working on it, you know? I mean, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, after, after this episode, you'll definitely be world-famous. This is what's putting me over the top. That's what I told. I, I called my... I called my mom before I was doing it, and I was like, Mom, I'm finally there. I've made it. You know? And she's like, what's the internet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, how do you listen to podcasts? Is it on your iMac? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, after that, we will get into a review, uh, all three of us, on Forgotten Waters, the plaid hat game that came out, I think, in like June of this year. And also have a bit of a discussion on semi-co-op. We've been, uh, it's been tearing up the threads in our Discord channel, whether we like or dislike semi-co-ops. We're going to chat about it here as well. I'm sure that's going to go swimmingly with a bunch of co-op players. <laughs> but first, we'd like to thank some of the people supporting us uh, through our Patreon. So a special thank you this week to Brandon Eckoff. He is a co-op MVP. Chrissy Conforti, a co-op fan, and Derek Garcia, a co-op fan. Brandon, Chrissy, Derek, thank you to the three of you. Thank you to everybody who supports us each month. And, you know, supporting us can come in so many ways. Of course, Patreon is amazing. It helps us to defray the cost of putting on the podcast. But also, uh, thank you to everyone who's gone and rated the podcast on Apple or wherever else you might uh, be listening to it. Thank you to everyone who subscribed to our YouTube channel. Or recently, if you haven't heard the uh, development, the new stuff that's coming, we have a Twitch channel. And we also have a second YouTube channel dedicated to our streamed content. So there's a lot of awesome games like Kickstarter games and new games we have not covered on the main YouTube channel. That is over there. If you want to get to any of that stuff, just click the info box under the podcast and you can get all those sweet, sweet links. Nice. So, Grant, since I didn't even know you were going to be on this week, let me ask you some questions. <laughs> Thank you so much for preparing for my arrival. I feel so welcome. This was obviously a big deal to you, and it warms my heart. <laughs> it should warm your cockles. That's really yeah, what I was going yeah. for. I mean, yeah. let's not talk about cockles. This is a family show, everybody. <laughs> so, Grant, who are you, and what brings you on our show? Boy, <laughs> Could it get any broader? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Could, tell me your life story. All right. Well, it all started in Arcadia, California, when I was born during a freak electric storm during the month of August. All true. My mom had me at home, and the doctor got lost on the way. So, boy, am I electric. You know what I mean? Well, I was going to ask if you had any uh, superpowers, because that sounds like a pretty good origin story. There. Yeah, it, it is a pretty good origin story. And I was also 10 pounds, 4 ounces when I was born. Uh, so imagine a mom doing that uh, at her house by herself. Doctor <laughs> hasn't arrived, and all the heat is gone because the electricity, I mean, all the power is gone because all the lightning storms during August knocked out all the power. So, boy, I've been difficult my entire life. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
But to answer really what you meant, not just the origin story, I've been a comedian for like 16 years now. It's been my life's passion, my life's work, all that sort of stuff. I started doing comedy when I was in college and knew that it was what I wanted to do. So by the time I graduated college, I knew that I wanted to be a comedian. So I've like never had a full-time job because I, you know, right after college kept part-time jobs because I was working at being a comedian and all that sort of stuff. So there was a a time in my life where I was like living in the Bay Area off of $18,000 a year, (laughs) which is not easy. But, you know, it's kept growing and growing. And at this point, you know, I've I've been on uh, TV and stuff. Oh, I'm actually, um, there's a new sci-fi series called The Movie Show that just premiered this past week. And I'm on that show. On Sci-Fi Channel? Yeah. Well, you can join the long, long list grant of people who have been on our podcast that are also in major sci-fi channel shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. The, the crossover is unreal. Wait, is it a list of one now? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a list of one, and it's a, it's a long, long list of one. We wrote Grant's name really large. It covers multiple sheets of paper. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. But it's a fun show. It's, a, it's, it's hosted by two puppets, and it's uh, just full of jokes and all about different movies and stuff. So it's currently on the Sci-Fi Network. And then, you know, when it comes to board games, you know, I was a Magic the Gathering player when I was a kid and really loved it. And then, you know, you get into high school, and I just... Got into sports and girls, I guess, and something. You know, there was never any like decision of like, I'm not playing magic anymore, but it just kind of slowly faded for me. And I hadn't really gotten back into games till probably like six years ago. And my buddy started hosting game nights for comedians in Los Angeles. And, you know, when you're in your like early 20s, it's fine to just drink beers at a house and do nothing but once you get into your 30s you're like i need some structure to my hangouts (laughs) right i I want some structure to my drinking i don't want to just sit here and talk to you about nothing and so board games are such a great way for that so my introduction to modern board gaming was i think similar games to a lot of people's like introduction to modern board gaming things like code names or telestrations or uh, cash and guns, you know, these pretty like introductory, easy, fair, but still a lot of fun and a lot of great way to spend some social time with friends. And as I got more into that, then I've gotten more into you just more into the world, right? It's it's a world that for people who aren't in board games, people have no idea how many games come out a year how how big the conventions are that's the first convention i went to my buddy had to convince me he was like we should go to this thing and i was like what what why what is that <laughs> like and i was like what is there going to be like 200 people there and he was like no, no 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 we're going to this and i remember walking in and being like oh oh this is a thing okay <laughs> there might be one or two people who know about <laughs> games beside me i was shocked. yeah yeah honestly well, you know because we've been talking about monopoly on this show for years so i know that's how it started for, i mean that's how it happens to everybody and i always tell people like well you got to get past that because to a lot of people it's like you know you've never even seen the end of a monopoly game it takes 30 <laughs> Right, it takes thirteen hours, and it usually ends with somebody like crying and flipping a table. Like you, you've never actually seen the end of it. So, how about trying a different game? I hated Monopoly when I was a kid, and I still don't like it. Uh, and now I am just so glad that I found so many other great games. Oh well, speaking of great games, let's talk about what we've been playing a little bit lately. So, Grant, anything hit your table that, uh, or virtual table, however you're playing right now, 
that uh, stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, I've actually been very lucky that I have a few roommates that really like games. And so we've been playing, I mean, and and I live with all professional comedians, and so all of our careers kind of cease to exist uh, during the pandemic, because there's just, there's no touring, there's no performing, any of that sort of stuff. So games have really gotten me through this year. Uh, one game I've been really liking recently that we've been playing a bunch is Aquatica. It's just, you know, it's like an engine builder with this really unique mechanism where each card has a benefit on it and you are pushing the cards up into a slot on your board and gaining the benefits for every push up you do it it, i just feel like it's a really unique way to do it and the art is amazing in the game that sounds cool i haven't tried that one yeah it's a it's a arcane wonders it's a one to four player game and if i had to pick like best art of 2020 it it might be that you know, it's just such a beautiful, the artwork on it is so striking and beautiful. It's kind of like, if you remember the uh, game Abyss uh, from like oh, yeah. five, six years ago, the art is sort of reminiscent of that. Does it have four covers as well? It does not. <laughs> it does not. I know. What a, what a weird thing. I know my buddy told one of his friends to get Abyss for him, and he was like, I want any cover except for the yellow one and the yellow one was what the the guy bought for him (laughs) of course no you don't say that you say i'll take anything but this one this one's awful and of course that's got to be the one you want most especially dealing with a bunch of comedians come on for sure chance yeah yeah, for sure but it it, it's just it's you know i like engine builder games in general and and i've just never seen this sort of mechanic where you're like pushing up a card into a slot and getting the benefits. And then you're like, you don't score the card until it's all the way up. So at some points you're like, man, do I just skip this benefit? Cause I need to get it up and score it. Or am I holding off and trying to wait until that benefits really going to help me buy another card? That's going to help me do this. That's going to have this cascading effect. I don't know. It's, it's just a really interesting way to do it. I like choices like that because they're simple and straightforward and limited to some degree because, you know, you only have like three or four spaces, I'm assuming, to push this up. Yeah. And so it's limited in scope, but it gives you a lot of actual choice when it comes down to it. But you're still only looking at like three or four things, which is nice. Totally. And I and I would say overall, I'm like a medium weight gamer. Like I want things that have strategy and have choices but I can play in under two hours. Like I just don't have the patience to sit around for eight hours and play something. I, I just, and, I'll, and I never will, you know, I get bored too, too quickly. And so Aquatica is a great like medium weight game where there's a lot of strategy, a lot of choices, but you can also teach it to anybody in like 15 minutes. Nice. Yeah. All right, Mike, I don't know that you've ever been this quiet this long before. I think people <laughs> might think you're dead. Wait, wait, are, are we doing a podcast? <laughs> I mean, the only time you've been this quiet this long is when you're like doing something else and I can hear a keyboard clicking in the background. And I haven't heard that today. So I know you're not busy doing something else. So why don't you tell us about a game you've been playing? <laughs> you, know, you know, Peter, in all seriousness, I'm teaching my uh, speech and debate class about active listening this month. Ooh. And I was practicing my active listening skills. Well, and and I kind of feel like that's slightly a dig at like, oh, what a comedian like holds the microphone and doesn't give it back and talks a lot. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're just so entertaining, Grant, that I didn't yeah, yeah. Have to, uh, you know, worry about it. <laughs> 
Whereas clearly I am not entertaining because Mike talks all the time when I'm on the episode. (laughs) I've heard you. I've heard you. You're not new. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But yeah, uh, things I've been playing. I've been engaging in a little experiment just for the joy of my own household. Because my eight-year-old son, Harrison, is not always interested in playing games with me. So I've been trying to teach him solo games that are very straightforward that he can run himself. So I uh, helped him like kind of uh, off to the side, run through a game of one deck dungeon after I played a Mm. two players co-op game with him. He played it solo. And we did a similar thing with Pocket Landship, which is another like dice placement game. He did a full solo game just with me like kind of popping up to answer rules questions. And he seemed to kind of dig it. I'm like, man, if I can get this little child in my midst uh, to love solo gaming, that means that maybe he'll want to play with me more. Now, watch, it will backfire completely, and he'll be like, what the heck, get out of here. I just want to play by myself. <laughs> and he'll never... Yeah, I, I think I think you got it wrong there, Mike. You're doing it backwards. You, you, got, him, <laughs> you got him to not want to spend any time with you. Good job. I mean, congratulations. Well, it's, it's also like as the months get colder, I'm trying to give him a, other options besides screen time, you know, to like occupy himself. So sure. that that's another part of it. No, that's actually a good idea. Uh, But in terms of my own playing, a lot of it you've seen on the channel, like when we're recording this, which is right at the start of December. You know, Peter, how much I love worker placement games. And I've been all about worker placement this entire like last two weeks playing uh, Dune Imperium and Lost Ruins of Arnak. But in terms of something I really want to play that's like not as much of a review copy, BattleCon, which is a level 99, like one versus one kind of fighting game, card game thing. I used to play that a while back. I kind of got away from it, but... I'm uh, working on a solo variant, like kind of in my free time or like just in my brain as I'm, uh, you know, sleeping or doing other things I should be doing. So hopefully I will be able to feature that on the channel, you know, sometime in uh, December or January, a uh, solo playthrough with my own variant for BattleCon because it's a really fun game. They have a billion fighters. But if you're like me and don't have someone who's going to play fighting games with you all the time, I'd like to have another option there. Well, your other option could be teaching your son to play instead of teaching him to play solo. <laughs> and then you'd have two people to play with. I mean, I, I mean that, that that's also part of the plan. But, you know, I need to practice so I can beat him viciously. So I need the solo mode to get good enough at the game that he can never beat me ever. I've been on the other end of those games with you, actually, where you played it like 20 times solo and then we play it and it's like... And it's always fun. And it's always fun. <laughs> For you. For, for me, for me. <laughs> it's like 256 to 3. And we're like, what just happened there? I just got steamrolled. I don't even know. What's the name of this game again? No, never mind. I don't even care. Hey, look, maybe you should have been playing solo on your own and training and preparing for the battle to come. That's right, man. You know what it is? I was just re-watching Rocky, Peter. You're, you're uh, Apollo Creed. You're a little too confident. You didn't think you needed to train seriously. (laughs) And I'm Rocky over here. I'm punching the meat. I'm doing the solo play. I'm like getting ready to win. And, you know, you just uh, you got to be careful, man, because I'll come out there with my left hook. and You don't know how to deal with it. And this is why we play co-op games, folks. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know. I actually love playing co-op games with people like my mom because my mom is super competitive, but will never admit that she is competitive. Like, even the way she says she's not competitive is competitive, right? She's like, I'm not competitive. You're competitive. You're the competitive one here. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You know? 
So I need I need co-op games to take home and play it like holidays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if there was only a place for all the co-op knowledge you would ever need. I know. In, in a place you could learn about all the new ones. Well, I'll keep looking. I'll, I'll let you know when I find yeah, it. Yeah. You know, I should have mentioned when we were talking about what we were playing because last week I played a great little co-op game that's a, a one-time play, but it's a great holiday game, The Kringle Caper. Have you guys played that one? No. It's a Christmas-themed escape room sort of thing. Uh, you can play it solo or you can play it co-op, and it it's tiny, so it's a great stocking stuffer. It's a it's a great time, and it's you know plays in like sixty to ninety minutes. And I I can't imagine like a better activity for a family during the holidays. Now that's crazy because isn't it like nineteen cards? It's 18 cards, yes. And it plays in 60 minutes with 18 cards. I mean, yep. that that is a feat of design right there. I think it's totally. only like 12 bucks, too. Like, I'm going to have to yeah, get that just to see how they did that. Because that's crazy to me. We had a great time with it. We played it uh, on Thanksgiving uh, just to, like, get in the holiday spirit and stuff like that. I think it took us an hour and a half. And, you know, the puzzles are challenging, but they're not crazy hard. And it comes with a little app. So if you ever are like, I need an extra clue. The app will give you a clue. And if you are still like, I have no idea, then the app will just straight up tell you the answer like it's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) Nice. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. Uh, Peter, we didn't get to your turn. What have you been playing? Well, if you want to know what I've been playing, turn on Twitch and go to One Stop Co-op Shop because that's all I've been playing is uh, stuff that I've been live streaming. The big thing, though, is uh, Marvel Champions. You know, that's a game that, if you listen to a couple episodes back, spoiler alert, was my top co-op, or I'm sorry, top solo game of all time. I was going to say, wasn't you, uh, you, you like just one much better than Marvel Champions, don't you, Peter? Settle down, brother. Settle down. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, if I went back, I think Marvel Champions and Just One came out in the same year. That would That would jump it for me. But at the time of the recording... You know, not as much stuff came out. This is a game that definitely benefits. I don't know if it was just the core set, if I would feel the same way about it, but there's so much new stuff. There's so much cool stuff. They're really playing within the system a lot. And so, yeah, Terrence and I just kind of on a whim played one Friday night and live streamed it on Twitch. And we're like, yeah, and we'll be back next week. And so we've kind of committed to it now. And uh, we've kind of joined the Marvel community on Facebook and Discord and just really become part of it and kind of fell hard for it so uh it's definitely a game i like playing it's definitely a game i played a lot solo and really enjoyed it but i really think i like two player better so yeah if you want to see us play and sometimes win i mean we we put ourselves against ridiculous challenges every week so it's not like we're just playing like you know hey let's play beginner level basic whatever no we're fighting against ronin and all the hardest challenges each week so yeah fridays at 10 on twitch if you want to see that. And then I actually played Dice Throne Adventure with you last week and really enjoyed that as well. And so looking for, to, forward to our uh, thrilling conclusion to that battle as well. Wait, you, you played Dice Throne Adventures with Grant too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you missed it. Uh, yes, we, we did play it and it's fun and we're going to fight the boss tomorrow. Uh, but Grant, while we're uh, plugging things, uh, we didn't get a chance to uh, let you share. You're doing content creation, as you uh, mentioned, and you also have designed a game. We're designers, too. Tell us a bit about uh, both those things. Yeah, uh, totally. You know, again, like I was saying, I, I've loved games, you know, gotten back into modern games for the last five, six years. But about four years ago, I had a, a buddy approach me who has designed a couple of games. And he was sort of like, hey, you know, 
every game I've done up to this point is more of like a family light strategy game, but I want to do a more adult party game. Are you interested? And I was like, oh, sure, totally. You know about the world. So I would love to work on something like that. So about four years ago, we started working on a design of a funny adult party game, and it just got released in November. Uh, It's published by 25th Century Games, who's a a great company. They've got a lot of good games like Kingswood and Jurassic Parts and Space Explorers. But yeah, it's um, so the way the game works, uh, the tagline is a game of silly insults, dummy. We, we want the game to focus on sort of the silly, the funny, the ridiculous, not on the mean, right? And the way, like, my uh, my elevator pitch is sort of like, it's, uh, it's Mad Libs for ridiculous insults. You are, everybody has life cards around them, and you are using keywords to make up insults to throw them down on somebody else's life cards. And, you know, so if somebody's life card said, like, teeth, and you had the words weak and bread, you might be like, your fake teeth are so weak you can't even bite through bread. You know, just throw down like a ridiculous insult. And it's funny and it's silly. And, you know, one of the things I like about it is uh, sometimes playtesters have said things like, oh, I don't think I'm funny, but this game made me feel funny. And that's exactly what we want. It's There's enough structure, enough format that anybody can do it. Because sometimes... The things that barely make sense are the things that are the funniest, right? Just like in Mad Libs where you're like, what? What does that even mean? Uh, and so you're just throwing together sort of crazy things and throwing down insults. And and I'm uh, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. You know, this, my, this is my first game and, and I'm just uh, I'm excited to be part of the community. And people have been saying nice things about it. And it's uh, it's really fun. That's awesome. What, what was the name of the game again, Grant? It's called Curmudgeon curmudgeon there you go that's your vocab word of the week yeah yeah so you are a cantankerous crank that just wants to insult everything and everybody and yeah like you said i'm also doing content creation now the way that came about was honestly the pandemic because you know i our collection is decent in our house uh and has grown during this time but when the world shut down in March, that was, you know, like I said, all of my roommates were all comedians. So all of us sort of like our world ceased to exist a bit. You know, I, all of my tour dates got canceled. I had an album that came out in March and all of my like album release parties were canceled and all of that sort of stuff. And that first month, that was when we didn't know anything. Right. And that was when like I, we weren't even leaving to go get groceries or things like that in that first month. Wait, you've gotten groceries? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's weird. I'm sorry you're just wasting away there. Uh, and so, you know, we were playing just a ton of games in those first in that first month. And, uh, and I decided, well, I need to stay creative. I need to do stuff because I'm not on stage right now. And I feel like board games are literally saving me right now because otherwise I would have nothing else to do and no other way for like to find any joy right now. And so I originally just started, kind of started just making videos for like my own social media and my friends, kind of. I was like, hey, these are the games I'm playing right now. You know, if you don't know what games to play, like this is a great time to be playing games. And then it's just kind of grown from there. That was the initial impetus. And then people have responded and, and more and more people are finding them and all that sort of stuff. So I can say now that like even... 
even when I'm back to touring, to touring, I will continue to do game videos because I really enjoy it. And then I, I, I feel like hopefully I'm bringing something different to the world. You know, I'm, I'm sort of looking at the games through the lens of a comedian and trying to make jokes about them and that sort of stuff. So, you know, my game, my, it's called Grant's Game Rex and they're all like short and humorous. That's the point. So is, is it more like review style? I mean, obviously you're injecting humor into it. Is it like funny reviews? Is it kind of like shut up and sit down? I mean, or- it, it depends as somebody who has watched some of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some of them are more like actually review focused than others and some are just funny. Yeah, totally. Nice. And I, I basically, I, I'm calling them Grant's Game Rex because I only want to do videos for games I actually like. Like these are games I can recommend to people and that's what I'm doing. So I'm not like giving a whole review of like, these are why I like it. This is what I don't like about it. I'm not doing all that. I'm basically going, here's a joke. This is how you play the game. Here's another joke. Oh, you're on the wrong show then, because we well, no, I was we're, about say, to, we're about to destroy a game today. So speaking yeah. of which, <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, Forgotten Waters from Plaid Hat Games. This is a one to seven player, I think. They say three to seven on it. Yes, three to seven. It's not one. Well, I mean, clearly, it's definitely one. I played it solo, and I played <laughs> it with two. So, I mean, there goes that. <laughs> Breaking the rules. I think they technically added, so this is a uh, app-driven kind of like adventure game where you're all pirates in a sort of a mix of fantasy and reality pirating world. And I believe that the app added like kind of after the game's release, the solo and two-player rules. Maybe that's why it says three to seven. Okay. But yeah, we're going to do our review of it with Grant. And uh, if you have not listened to our show before, thanks for being here. Our format is we're going to each share the five things that stand out to us about the game most strongly. They might be positives, might be negatives, but the things that kind of stick in our mind with the design. So, uh, Grant, you're our guest. You want to take it away with your number five for Forgotten Waters? Sure. I will say my number five in a positive way is the app. And I am not somebody that likes app-driven games normally. I, I, when I'm playing a game, I, I want to get away from technology. That's why I'm playing a board game. I spend my so much of my time on my phone and my computer, I want to set those aside. But this is a game where the app really works for me because it's it's not playing the game for you. It's just driving the story. There's still so much to do analog wise with the you know adventure book and and the different characters and that sort of stuff so i actually like the app here because it's just full of a lot of funny voiceover and it just helps drive the story forward and give it a kind of an epic feel to it nice yep i'll be talking about that a little bit later but may as well get into my number five so my number five is the roles of the game and what i mean by that is everybody gets the board handed to them So one of them's the gunner, and you kind of have the cannons and stuff in front of you. One of you tracks your infamy. Another person tracks something else. And basically, these are just tracking boards, but everybody is assigned a role. And I'll get into a little bit later where it comes into the way the app works. And sometimes if you just have a certain role, you are given things to do because of that role. But really, it's an interesting way of just making people around the table have something to do during the game and like 
oh yeah, that's my job. When when we get to dealing with cannons, I'm going to flip the cannons over. I'm going to move the infamy track around, or I'm going to track how many crew we have or supplies or whatever else. And so it kind of gives somebody a little tactile puzzle to do. And certainly if you have less players, you can have more jobs. And that's why seven is such a weird number for the game. Like, couldn't they come up with one more role? So like, People can get even numbers of these. It's not like they matter <laughs> that much, but like seven is such a weird number. Yeah, I've played it. The six is the most I've played it with. Yeah, and for me, I think it was five, and that was a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for me, it was two. Or no, we played three-player online. Well, yeah, and that goes into my number five, and that's I kind of uh, comboed two things together here. First of all, for the player count, I think it is a bit... I mean, it's cool that the game supports so many counts, but the question kind of becomes, does it really support so many counts? Because uh, with one and two players especially, you have so many actions that kind of a winning, quote-unquote, the game, which is dependent somewhat on fulfilling these personal goals, becomes way too easy, and you get way too many skills for your character because... uh, you're basically taking all the actions you would have taken with a larger party and just getting extra actions for yourselves. And then even though I didn't play six and seven, and Grant, maybe you can speak to whether this is accurate, I had the feeling based on my five-player game that uh, if you went all the way up to six and seven, things might be a bit too diffuse and it might be a little bit too tough to win. So I feel like they really designed like a three to four-player game and then just added <laughs> in maybe a somewhat like clunky way rules for uh, more and fewer than that. Yeah, because the roles aren't ever that complicated. Like, it's not overwhelming to do two or three things at one time in the game. So it's easy to play it with three players, and you just all have multiple roles. Now, the other, like, only vaguely connected thing that I just put into my number five is uh, the semi-co-op nature of the game, which is, of course, going to be our little design discussion uh, at the end. And, yeah, I I don't like semi-co-op, and I didn't really like it here. But the compliment I'll give the game, so to explain where the semi-co-op comes in, you're each technically going after your own goal. So you might like take an action space from somebody else in the adventure book that they would like because it's going to help you get closer to your goal or give you the type of skill that you think you need. And then on top of that, they sometimes have more direct confrontational actions where you can literally steal an item from somebody, boosting yourself at their expense. I hate that stuff, but I will give the game uh, credit in that it is very easy to ignore that stuff. Like, you don't have to use the powers that give you stealing items. Those are almost always an optional thing. And even have a solo rule where when you would steal something, you instead get an item. So you can just kind of port that into uh, the co-op play and play it that way. Uh, So for me, I didn't like the semi-co-op at all. But I can imagine groups that would really get into that whole aspect and really, like, enjoy kind of beating each other up sometimes. Mike, we have a first. This is the first time ever that I have not put our design discussion into my top five list. Wow. I I am shocked, especially knowing how you feel about semi-co-op usually. Yeah. Because I don't view this game as a semi-co-op. I mean, even when you fail, I almost view it as, and we'll get into this later, because it's such a story-driven game. I mean, that's the thing to get into. We never really got into the rules, which we normally do at the beginning. But that's because there really aren't any rules. Like, it's a worker placement game. You have one worker, you take your guy, you place it on one spot, and you take the action that's there. And the actions are pretty straightforward. You roll a dice and resolve whatever it is, and that's basically it. So it's really a story game. I never saw it as a semi-co-op game, even though that's what our discussion is today. 
And so much so that I viewed failing as a failing condition, which my son had two characters last time. One, he definitely won. As you said, we were doing four characters with two players. One, he won no problem with. And the other one didn't make it to his goal. He was one or two short of getting to his final goal. But we enjoyed the story of that. So to me, it isn't even semi-co-op because it's almost like fiasco, right? It's like, what happened to this poor character? Like, what is the tragedy that have befallen them? You know, I'm kind of getting into later thoughts here. But so for me, I didn't even view it as a semi-co-op because I just viewed it as a story game. I, I agree with that too. Like in the, you know, I think the first time I played it, I played it with four. And then the second time I played it with six. And in neither of those did every single person reach their individual goal. But on both of those, we did complete the like story. We, we you know, we beat the game sort of, if you will. And nobody was like, oh, but I didn't get my individual. Nobody was like upset that they didn't <laughs> get their individual goal. Everybody felt like they won, right? We We all felt like we won. And then, oh, yeah, something terrible happened to this character because I didn't get my original goal. But that, that character's not me. I won this game because I'm part of the team. You know, right. And it's yeah. hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hilarious and tragic all at the same time. But like, it's good to see that not everybody comes out of it the same. Totally. Now, that's a, that's a really good point. And yeah, when I lost, I still had fun. So I hear y'all. Uh, but Grant, what's your number four? Yeah. My number four is a, a bit of a negative, actually. And it's just length. I, I just wish it wasn't as long of a game <laughs> yeah. as it. It. I, I don't feel like it needs to be as long as it is. And sometimes that's because we're like making a dumb choice, right? And we're choosing to do this thing when this other thing was more obvious and and we just added 20 minutes to the game or whatever. But, you know, playing it with six people, I think it took us like over four hours to finish the game, which is like not really what everybody had signed up for. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you know? And, and, and maybe at the end you feel like, Okay, we're fighting a ship again. Yeah, we've already done that a couple of times. Maybe we'd be all right to like skip fighting this ship. And so I, I don't think it was like a huge negative. It's just I, I don't like the you know in one of the games I did, there's a point in the game where you basically can put a pin in it and say we're pausing the game right now, and then we're going to come back and finish it later. And it almost feels like on some with some groups, you're going to have to do that because nobody's going to want to play it for that long and i wish i didn't have to do that and actually i feel like you could do that with any mission at any point because really the app doesn't track anything for you and on the back of the ship card they just have a draw where everything is right now like put tile this year this year what items do you guys have and you could pack it up and stop at any point but i do agree it's a little bit long it's not one of my points but uh that's that's really good well and kind of the repetition does come up in my list later so i'm with you grant yeah. Right, Peter, what's your number four? Well, my number four is what we just talked about a little bit, which is the action selection. And basically on your turn, you know, you have one worker, which is your character. You have a page of options. So it might say if you're in port, like, do you want to bury treasure? Or do you want to go to the tavern and do something? Or do you want to go repair the ship or get supplies or whatever else? And basically you're just picking one of those things. You have a little bit of knowledge. There are some icons next to it that kind of tell you, okay, in this place, you're probably going to get your fighting skill up. And that's really, in all honesty, how we always made the choice. It's like, okay, if I get a fighting skill up, I'm going to get a star here. And the stars add to your star map, which 
help level up. I'm sure somebody will cover that at some point. But bottom line is, you know, you're basically saying, okay, what do I want to do here? So it's a very simple system. It's really something that there's no rules explanation. I think, Mike, when you taught it to us online, you're like, all right, pick some roles. What roles? It doesn't really matter. Just take them. It's really just tracking things. And okay, now pick where you want to go. And yeah, again, it doesn't really matter. You're going to roll a dice. You're going to do a check based on whatever your skill is in that thing. And like the story is really what drives it. And so, you know, it's a little bit of a mix for me. I I think it's a pro for the game itself because it's not meant to be a heavy game. It's not, it, it isn't that the story is what comes out of it. And so for me, it is a nice, simple pick something, resolve it kind of a system to kind of progress you along in the story. So, you know, for a story driven game, you know, I like it way better than something like Tales of the Arabian Nights, which the story drove me crazy because I felt like they were pushing you toward a victory condition. Whereas here, as we were saying earlier, I don't care much about the victory condition. So I just enjoyed the ride. And I'll get into, uh, Peter mentioned the star charts. So my number four are the like personal characters you control. And they're not just star charts, but you get this like little sheet and it's a unique one. So you have like this whole pad, but you can print out new copies from Plaid Hat site. And you'll have like... Uh, a skill chart that is a unique distribution based on which character you are. So like I might be able to get my gunnery skill higher than Grant and Peter ever could making me the best gunner for the game. And you'll also have this star chart that you like slowly fill in, which is uh, the way to get to your sort of happy ending, the kind of uh, personal goal we've mentioned already. But the part that I love the best, and you know, it's so great that we have Grant on the episode because he's a Mad Lib expert after designing <laughs> uh, curmudgeon. You have these Mad Libs that tell like the uh, starting story of your character and also give you these story beats that you read out loud as you progress through the game and then also control some things in your ending. So you'll fill out like number one, it'll be like an animal and then you'll like eat that animal in your introduction and then you'll be ride that animal in your second story and then you'll become that animal in your third story. And it's goofy fun, but... I like the different characters and the Mad Libs were just endless entertainment for me and my family. Like my son, my eight year old was dying as he read like these silly little things that he had written down. So, you know, Grant's right. Mad Libs are fun. And uh, I definitely like the characters and kind of how they, they brought them to life and gave you your story. And I guess that even goes to your all's uh, kind of rebuttal to my uh, semi co-op thing, which I do agree with as you say it more. Maybe I'll say this is a fully co-op game too. Uh, Yeah, like those stories are so fun. Even when you lose and get the worst ending, that is also a funny ending with your character. So like the personal characters really bring the game to a a more fun and enjoyable place for me. I agree that those uh, Mad Libs are really fun and they did a good job with the characters too. None of it feels forced. It's just they've come up with interesting characters. No, exactly. I'm going to get to that more later. So Grant, why don't you go on to your next one? Yeah, all right. Well, my number three was a mix you know, I, I know you guys do sometimes like positive negatives or, or mixed and, and a mixed one for me is the ending. It maybe it's, maybe this is tied to the length, but the ending does feel a little bit anticlimactic where you're like, Oh, okay. We, we did this thing and, and now it's over. All right. Wow. Wow. We just <laughs> spent like, we just spent like four hours and now it's done. And okay. Yeah. We, you know, and I'm glad that they have the, the sort of, 
end game scenario for your character because that is the one nice wrap up of it is like you can go around and and read the sort of bio of what happened to your character because you completed the story but in the actual terms of the game where you know you don't you you never go oh man those choices i made really helped me win the game you're just like oh okay we <laughs> yeah. we got here and the and the game's done all right like it's <laughs> it's it's not bad but maybe it's slightly unsatisfying you know oh i know <laughs> <laughs> sounds like peter has something to say about that <laughs> yeah no, I mean, it's funny that you say that because I thought you were going to say, I'm glad that they had an ending to the game because <laughs> that's what it sounded like you were going toward there. Well, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of what you were saying, though, before, Peter. It's like this is a game you're playing for the journey, not the destination. Absolutely. Right. I mean, th- this is this is 100 percent that like metaphor of life. Right. It is about the journey. It is not about the and. It didn't bother me so much because the journey was such a great time that it wasn't about the destination, but I I almost wish there was a little bit more at the destination. Well, and we'll get into that with my final thoughts because it's funny. It's solidifying in my mind as we're doing the review now, and I don't want to come off negative because I am definitely not negative toward this game, but I definitely have some things to say when we get to the end. Well, for now, Peter, say some things about your number three. All right, so my number three is the resolution system. So it's kind of cheating because Mike combined two things. I could barely come up with five things at all about this game. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was shocked. I'm like, oh god, we're gonna have to talk about this game for like 30 minutes. How's that gonna happen? Like, there's only there's only like three mechanisms in the entire game. But uh, yeah, my number three is the resolution system. So going back to that worker placement that you have, the action selection on the board, I kind of broke it down a little further here. And so it's interesting because it's like a double positive. So you go in and you level up in fighting and then it says make a fighting check. So you're going to get better at whatever you are doing your resolution in. And so I just like that it's like a double positive. It's like you get better and then you get to do the check. I mean, in real life, you'd probably have to do the check first and then you'd get better at it. Like, pass or fail, like, you know, you do better. But it just makes you feel good to, like, level up in something and then, like, hey, I'm level one in this, so now I can do it a little bit better. And all you're doing, really, is if you have three checks because you've done those type of checks, or three check marks, I guess I should say, or because you've done that kind of test, like, three times, and this is or this is your third time, all it's really saying is you get plus three to whatever your D12 roll is. So if you need to hit a 10 or something... Or it isn't even that way. Typically, it's not like you have to hit a target number. There's usually zones. It's like one to six, you get this, you know, seven to 12, you get this 12 plus you get this. So but it's kind of cool that you're getting better at a skill and doing the skill check all at the same time. And as simple as it is to resolve again, you're just rolling the D12 and adding your skill to it and whatever items you have might boost it as well. But it gives you a good feeling when you're doing those skill checks for whatever reason, even though it's so simplistic. And you're also all invested in everybody else's skill checks, right? Because of the co-op nature where you're like, come on, oh, spend your thing to re-roll it. We can't have that, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah, I'll talk about the uh, skill checks in a second. But my number three kind of goes to what you were talking about, Grant. And that's um, the variety and also the value and also kind of the repetition. So this is like a mix for me. Although I think for some people it's going to be a con. There's five scenarios in the game with the app. 
And I think they are nicely varied. I think they have good uh, storylines in them. I think they're fun to play through. But unless you want to play the same story with multiple different groups, you're basically getting five plays out of it. And in a way, the value is better because those five plays take a while. I was about to say, because it's five, four hour <laughs> plays. That's like 20 hours of gameplay yeah, right there. But yeah, like the, oh my gosh, the middle of those plays can really drag. At least they did for me. And the like skill checks, I'm kind of getting to my next point a little bit, but the skill checks can get really repetitive sometimes. And it's like, how many boats can I fight? How many storms can I go through? Like you see the same stuff sometimes. So as much as there is nice variety in like kind of the broad view of the scenarios, I wish there was better variety within like the actual stuff that happens within a scenario sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. Like sometimes where you're like, oh, we're fighting a ship again. All right. (laughs) Yeah, and like they try to add a little variety like pieces, but it's the same damn thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes you're boarding the ship. Sometimes you're shooting at the ship. And do you guys go into detail on that in any of your points? Because I don't want to steal anything here. I mean, I'm going to talk about the skill checks and the actions in more detail in the next one. Yeah, so go ahead and talk about it when we get to that point. But, I mean, it there's a little difference, but I, I mostly agree with what you're saying there. All right, Grant, how about your number two? Yeah, my number two is the general silliness and humor of this game. <laughs> huge, huge positive. This is not a party game. Obviously, we're talking about it's it's not a heavy game by any means, but it's it's still, I wouldn't describe it as a party game. And yet it gives more laughs than almost any non-party game I've ever played. And they infuse the humor throughout the game, whether it's like what you were talking about, Mike, with the, you know, the, the Mad Libs and the characters, the bios, the voiceover stuff is super funny. And it also never felt pushed to me. You know, sometimes when games are, trying to add humor in it it's it feels forced right it's it's like this is a chance for us to be funny but this all the humor in this just comes out of the scenarios and the characters and it all feels organic and i love that about the game and the people i played with were other comedians and all of them were laughing a bunch and having a great time with the humor of the game yeah with you 100 percent, but that's coming up later Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh peter you're number two So my number two, actually flip-flop my one and two, and you'll see why in a minute. But my number two, we've covered many times at this point, which is the Mad Libs and the individual story of your characters. And just to reiterate real quickly, I feel like you do build this story of your character and you want to level up, quote unquote, like get these stars, not just so you can level up and try to beat the game and get a good ending, but also so you can read more of your story, right? I feel like that's the failure of losing is not getting to tell your character's story and these Mad Libs, because every single one of the, like, as you pass these benchmarks, so you have up to five you can pass in the game, and each one you're going forward and forward and forward and progressing that character's story. I feel like the failure when you fail to get four stars, which is kind of the good result, is that you didn't get to tell your story more. So for me, these individual characters, it's really one of the key driving points of why you're either going to like or not like this game. I really feel like, and there are a lot of them. I mean, you know, it's not just seven, I don't think. Like there are lots of different characters and they all have different stories and you're going to each put in different things in each of them. So the Mad Lib is going to come out obviously different each time, but there's a lot of characters in the game. And so I like the variety there. I liked 
how your story progressed as you went. And I like that I wanted to level up, not for some arbitrary reason or some arbitrary get four to do well, but so that way I can read the next part of my story. Yeah, my number two is also somewhat reiterating. It's a focus on the actions and the skill checks. A little bit of a mix. I think uh, the skill check system and like the action selection, like I'm going to go to this space and you go to that one. It's very quick. It's very straightforward. Like Peter said, I like that you tend to level up with everything you do. So even when like it's a not useful action, it still has positive progress for your character. But on the negative side, like the actual skill check itself, just rolling a D12 and adding your skill value. It's fun for like the first half hour. And then the other three and a half hours, you're like, yep, we're doing this again. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. uh, And then kind of worse than that is that just the actions, the sameness kind of shines through like, Again, they try to give you this variety. Like when you're doing a uh, ship battle, as Peter talked about, like one of you can rally the crew and one of you can rescue the people held by the sea serpent. One of you can load the cannons. One of you can fire the cannons. But at some point around like the hour, hour and a half mark, you're like, yep, that gets me this skill and this one gets me that skill. And it's all the same thing. And then the thing is dead. Like, I don't know. The wrinkles in the system show through. It's a lot like to make an analogy for those who have played like a lot of Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. It reminds me a lot of like an overly long Dungeons and Dragons combat encounter where like at first you were really into it. And you would like narrate. You're like, oh, I rolled a 14. My battle axe swings down into his shoulder and he screams in pain. But then like hour two, you're like, I rolled a 15, two damage. I rolled a 17, <laughs> five yeah. damage. You know, you're just like, God, let this be over. Like at some point, the system just becomes a system and like numbers. And uh, you wait for the story beats to happen again because there's almost no story in the action resolution. That's these sort of unnecessary mechanics that tie the more interesting stuff together. Yeah, I did like how they use the dials there. So there are dials and like A, B, C, D. So somebody has that board, right? And so they'll say set dial A to 15 and dial B to five or seven or whatever it is for this encounter. And they'll say, okay, dial A is the hull of the ship. Dial B is the sails. If you knock out the sails, you might be able to outrun it. If you knock out the hull, you'll be able to sink it or whatever else. So I, I liked how they added a little variety there. Overall, I, I totally agree with you, Mike. Yeah, me too. But that also takes me to my number one, which is the reason you're going to play this game is the story, right? The, the story is great, and that's the only reason to play this game. If you like an epic story, this is a, a, a great game to play because they've just done such a good job with the story. And and the playing the game part of it is just like you said, Mike, just getting you from story beat to story beat. But it's the story that sort of ties everything together and you know obviously there's so many pirate games out there but i will say to someone who who if anybody likes pirates this is like the most piratey of any pirate games (laughs) yeah the theme definitely comes through absolutely yeah and, and this feels like oh you are you're doing this epic adventure you are being a pirate here for four hours and i love that about the game obviously coming from like the world of entertainment i like storytelling a lot and this is one of the best storytelling games i i feel like i've ever played yeah no that's a good one uh my number one which was my number two and then i realized come on it's me it's got to be my number one <laughs> like no question it's the app like the app is so good i mean so 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 good if you hate apps in your game well i'm sorry there's nothing i can do for you this app in this game is really good and michael probably be able to tell you why why do you think because 
I don't know why for you. I, I, I'm with uh, Grant. I really like the narration and kind of like the funny like additions it added and the, the atmosphere and the like sound effects. Right. I don't have to read anything. I don't want to read crap. Like I do got to read my personal story, but again, that's my personal story and I get invested in it when I'm reading that and I get excited about it. But no, I don't want to read all that other narration. I think it brings it to life. They've done a really good job. You know, we've uh, interviewed foreteller yeah yeah the foreteller group you know they do narration for games like gloomhaven and isofarian guard and all these big epic dungeon crawls i mean this this matches that right to, in my in my mind it is really good and it comes with the price of the game totally yeah and it just it, it i love even you know when you're talking about how it just adds to the feeling of it even when you're in between the like actual narration, there are ocean sounds and things like that that are sort of playing from the app while you're playing the physical parts of the game too. Yeah, or if you're in town, it's town sounds. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very thematic to where, I mean, they did such a good job with it. They, I mean, they knocked it out of the park with this app. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you had to read all of this, there is zero chance I would play this even once, I would have never made it through my first session. There's no way. There's so much reading, so much narration. You know, it reminds me of some of my favorite games of all time, computer games, which are like Wing Commander. I love the Wing Commander games. And I felt very similarly there where I wasn't always a huge fan of the space combat. Sometimes they get boring and like, it would just like, oh, I got to turn. I got to turn faster just to shoot this guy. Oh, it got annoying at points, but I would do it just to get to the next story beat because they had those movies between it. It was the first video game that I remember that had those movie beats between it. And I would just die to play those. And, you know, Warcraft and Starcraft and all those it was very similar. Like those movie scenes were why I played through the game parts to get to. And I feel like it's the same here. The narration is so good. It's that grade A blizzard quality story arc that you get and for those that don't know blizzard is like the video game company that just does this better than anybody else in my mind so it's like to get to that story was worth the little bit of pain that i had to do during gameplay i agree and i'm totally with you guys my number one is grant's number two and grant's number one and peter's number one it's the story and the humor for me I think the story is definitely the reason to play this game. It's by far the best part of it. And I'm with you, Grant. I found it very funny consistently in not a forced way. Like as a you know former professional actor, I, I found it to, they created like a consistent world, you know, sort mm-hmm. of that verisimilitude of like humor that just was consistent and ran throughout. So it didn't feel weird at any point. Uh, a thing I'll compare it to, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of sword and sorcery, And in the, I think it was the second quest of the core game of Sword and Sorcery, you meet a pirate character. So another pirate, you know, it's like this one. Yes, so so you meet a guy and like, they call him Jack Sparrow, but change like some of the letters. So ha ha ha, that's funny, right? And it didn't fit anything else that was in the game. It was like these weird puns, these, you know, poorly aging cultural references. Compare that to this game where everything is like quick and like kind of dry a little bit. And they just throw a ridiculous thing out there, but you just go with it. I was thoroughly entertained. My family was thoroughly entertained. Like, it's just a lot of fun. You know, it, as much as I don't want to play this game for three hours, I'm going to because I want to get to, like, the next story thing and find out what happens to the crew and my character specifically. For sure. And, I, you know, just talking about sort of comedy theory, I think this game gets it right in that 
Comedy comes from either playing the ridiculous serious or playing the serious ridiculous. And there's a lot of ridiculous stuff in this game, but it's always played very seriously by the like voice actors and stuff like that, which I, I think really adds to the comedy of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll go first on final thoughts because I think I will probably be the most negative. So we'll we'll kind of like lift it up as we go along. You know, it sounds though we're all on the same spot a little bit with this game, which is I played this game and I was laughing the whole time through. I was enjoying a lot of what I was doing. There was no time where I ever said, gosh, that was terrible. That was a waste of my last half an hour. Like I, I, I kept pushing through and I kept wanting to push through. But then when the game ended, I didn't want to play it again. And I don't know why. And it's a weird thing to say about this game because, and maybe it is the four hour time limit or whatever. Maybe it was just too much. It was too draining. And maybe I pushed through when I shouldn't have. But that's where my mind is right now. And I kept it. It's funny because I gave you a lot of games this past weekend, Mike. And that's one I kept. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get back to it. But every time I think about playing it, I'm very negative on it in my mind. And I'm not sure why. And I do think it is that long playtime. And I do think it is those repetitive actions. So while the story is great, I'm going to go on the, yeah, I think you should play it once and or, or even watch a playthrough of it. I think that'll be good enough because to be honest, you're not really doing much as far as choices go in the game. <laughs> yeah. But I think watching a playthrough will probably be enough for you. But and I don't even think we have one, so I'm not even pushing our own channel. So no, no, we, we do. Co- Colin did, uh, I think, like two or three videos. Okay, but for me, it's a game that I, I played once, and I'm happy I did. But I don't know that I need to go back to it. So I think if you can get a, your hands on a copy of it, if your friends have one, I certainly think it's what is it a fifty dollar game or is it more than that? No, it's yeah, fifty, and then you can get it discounted. I think. Okay, so for that price, I mean, I definitely think it's worth the experience of going through it at least once. But for me, it's not a game I'm going to come back to. Grant, how about you? I'm definitely more positive on it. And I think that's also just my background, right? Loving storytelling and loving humor. This game nails, but it's certainly not a flawless game. And I don't say that it's a perfect game because, you know, the the time is frustrating and and the ending is a little unsatisfying but the things it does well it does so well that i would put this this is in my top 10 games of 2020 for sure nice uh because the experience is also just very memorable like you know i not to like spoil anything but like i still think of this like moment of like lil gertie you know where it's like That was a funny moment in the game that I still think about. And there are a lot of games I like playing, but they don't provide memorable moments like that. And so the memorable moments that this gives me is worth the experience of playing it. Now, I definitely agree with Peter. It's not a game that I want to play all the time and with every person. I got to be with the right group of people and I got to be in the right mood to want to sit down. This is the only game I'm playing for that night if we're playing this. And sometimes I'm in the mood of like, I want to play, if I if I have four hours, I want to play four different games, you know? So it's, it's not a game that I'm going to pull out every night, but it is definitely a game I'm going to keep playing. And it's a game that quite frankly, I really want to find new people to play it with because I want them to experience, I want to have that experience of them experiencing it for the first time. Yeah, and I guess I'm kind of in the middle of you all. I agree with a lot of the sentiments both of you said. 
I think for me, I would, I would definitely not recommend this one for solo players only. I did play a little bit solo just to kind of fill out my review, and it was fine. <laughs> definitely not nearly as much fun. If you are someone who, like, buys unlock games or escape room games and then either is good about trading them or selling them or you have other gamers and you kind of pass them around, I think this one could be great. Because like Peter said and going along with Grant, I think this is absolutely worth, like, at least a couple plays. I think uh, anyone can enjoy it for that amount as long as you're not totally against having an app. But... I'm a little sad, like kind of looking back at the game because I haven't played it in a little bit and hearing us all talk about it. I think how much better this would have been for me if each of the adventures was like 60 to 90 minutes and they had like nine or 10 adventures instead of five. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly hit my table more if it was like that. Absolutely. And I think it would get rid of some of the drudgery because it does sometimes feel like padding, like the game is padded in a way. And that's something I never want to feel while I'm playing. You know, it's, it's like when I'm playing a video game. It's like, oh, now I'm going to grind for two hours. Well, isn't that fun? You know, so <laughs> there's some like grinding in this game in the action resolution. But definitely still one I recommend you try or get if you have uh, avenues to pass it on or get additional gameplay out of it. But if you're like just going to play it solo or just going to play it with the same group and then you don't know what to do with it, it just sits on your shelf for years. I don't know. My, my recommendation then would probably go down pretty low. Well, I must say, I guess I'm higher on it than I thought because it's definitely in my <laughs> top 10 games of the year also, but that's because it's 2020. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm looking at my top games of the year and it's definitely not in my top games of the year. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll find out at the year-end episode for us because uh, I'm looking at the games we played this year and I'm like, yeah, it probably is a top 10 game, but that's not <laughs> It's not my top 10 of all time. That's for sure. When you said top 10, I was like, Whoa. And then yeah, you're like, yeah, oh, 2020. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it for sure wouldn't make my top 10 of all time, but I think it probably would even make my top five of 2020 just because of the experience of playing it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I don't know. It's probably a game that I would pull out every six months because I've played it twice now, which usually we play more than that. But again, I don't think you need it for this game just because you know, it's repetitive. It's, it's the scale checks are the same. You're not going to learn anything new playing more than that. Typically we, I like to play it five to 10 times at least before we review it. But you know, when each session is four hours, I don't think you necessarily need that, but I enjoyed both of my sessions. I just didn't want to play it again after. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's the kind of game that's going to be great. Look for a $50 value. I think the value is there for sure. I mean, look for 50 bucks, my family and I go see a movie And that's two hours. This is four hours at least of entertainment I got. I enjoyed every minute of it. So I, I, you know, maybe I'm more positive than I thought on this one. Well, I don't know, I mean, you're saying you played it twice and never want to play it again, potentially. <laughs> is that, you know, n- n- not in movie theater prices. Is that good value in board game prices? You know what I mean? But I say that now, but I, it's the kind of game where I feel like in six months I'll go, I remember liking that game. Maybe I should pull that out again. You know what I mean? I just think it's not the kind of game that you're going to play every week or every other week. You know what I mean? I feel like it's the kind of game you'll eventually probably get all five done, but it might take you two to three years to do it. Totally. And and I also, you know, we're all playing so many games that in a year from now, am I really going to remember all of the stuff from the scenario yeah, yeah, yeah. that I've already played? I, I doubt it. I got too many games swimming around in my head. 
When also, I, I won't have fresh in my mind how similar this ship battle is to the five other ones I've already done. So I think a little bit of time will only do this game good. For sure. All right, well, the episode's going a little bit long, so maybe we shouldn't have a full discussion about semi-co-op, but let's at least each share our thoughts and feelings on semi-co-op overall. Uh, Peter, do you want to start? Like, what do you think semi-co-op is, and how do you feel about it? Yeah, it sucks. Grant, on to you. <laughs> you know, I actually like it, but I'm also coming at it like I play co-ops, but I also play a lot of competitive games. And so I like the wrinkle of the semi-co-op stuff being sort of a middle ground between those two. I think it adds, you know, some interesting intrigue where I'm like, are they helping me right now or are they helping themselves right now? I like that sort of like psychological aspect of trying to figure out what other people are doing. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I was just joking mostly with that. but <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> mostly, mostly. I mean, in theory, it should be great, right? Semi-co-op means we're all working together for a goal, but maybe I'm not exactly in it for what everybody else is in it for. The problem is when it comes to gaming, people want to know whether they won or lost. And if you've lost the semi-co-op, then why wouldn't you tank it for the whole group? Or... I mean, I know, Mike, you're going to talk about this more. The balance level, just it's it's hard to get right because you, how do you account for that person that just tanks it for the whole group because they've played poorly or whatever else, and now they're just going to mess it up for everybody else, and so now everybody loses. I think the solution there is don't play with jerks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, yes, but also I think it does come to design. <laughs> Yeah, because Peter, I was going to talk about exactly that and a couple things. I just want to quickly name, uh, I guess, like three or four games. So first of all, uh, Shadows of Camelot. And this is a hidden trader game, which you could say is different than semi-co-op. But I think that brings up the balance issue perfectly, because that is a game where at certain player counts, you might or might not have a trader. And when you don't have a trader, if it's a seasoned group, it's almost impossible to lose. And when you do have a trader, if they play with ideal strategy, it's almost impossible to win. Dumb. Uh, <laughs> compare yeah. that to something like Battlestar Galactica, the board game, or like, uh, I don't know, uh, Renegade? Is that what it was called? No, no. What's it called? The game we played a lot, Peter. The Hidden Trader game. Resistance. The Resistance. Resistance. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, the Resistance. Like, I like games that have hidden traders where there's always a trader because, like you said, Grant, you have like that lack of surety and you know that you have to account for it in the balance and you know that they're hiding in there somewhere. And then I also, I, you know, I don't love like the semi-co-op in Gloomhaven, for example, but I still think it's okay because there it's the opposite of something like Battlestar Galactica. Instead of uh, us knowing there's a traitor, we know 100% for sure that we all want to win this scenario. Or, uh, you know, the for game we just talked about, Forgotten Waters. We all know we want to win. Okay, and the fact that like I might do something a little bit against the group for this turn because I want that treasure or I really want to get that gold, that's just a wrinkle to the gameplay. It doesn't change the overall victory conditions. What I don't like, and there's a very specific kind of semi-co-op game, is something like uh, Dead of Winter that Peter mentioned, where I don't really know if we're winning together or not. It's not a clearly defined mechanic because there's not, I mean, I guess in Dead of Winter, there's sometimes a trader, but usually there's not a trader. It's just like the fact that 
you might be a jerk and like Peter said, want to tank the game. You might not be doing a good job of completing your conditions. You're going to get like exile and then try to kill us all. I don't like that kind of thing. I'm totally fine with hidden trader. I know someone's evil. I'm mostly fine with fully cooperative and someone might be kind of like not playing optimally because they want to do something selfish. I don't like where the victory conditions are sliding because again, like with shadows over Camelot, you get into this weird balance problem where uh, the personalities and the jerkiness of the players you're uh, playing with can drastically shift how the game plays. And at least as a designer that likes to design experiences that are carefully catered to be hopefully fun every time, it's such a, uh, a vulnerable and fragile experience. And you've seen this with people like talking about something like Dead of Winter. It's like, oh my gosh, I played with this group and it was the worst experience of my life. I don't like designs like that. I mean, I guess in a way it's brave, it's uh, courageous, and it like forces you to confront social mores and issues with the people you're playing with. But I'd rather just have a well-designed game that's consistent, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think basically the the way that you're describing it is it's okay to have ambiguity in the player relationships, but it's not okay to have ambiguity in the win conditions or the game mechanics. Yes, uh, I love how you said that. That's great, Grant. Which I also agree. I I like hidden trader games when there is this ambiguity between the relationships because it just I I mean I play games partly to be social and that and that adds an interesting social aspect to it. What one of my favorite games of 2019 was The Menace Among Us. That's a semi co op game with a, a hidden trader or possibly two hidden traders depending on player count. Yeah, and I mean I think if it's designed that way. You know, I I guess the bigger problem is, is there a trader or not, right? I think that becomes a big issue for game balance. And not that every game has to be balanced, because look, there is definitely some fun in games not being balanced. But it's kind of like a game I really like, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Just sometimes it's unsatisfying, the balance, right? And and it works in semi-co-op that way, too. If it's designed to have a trader in it, and there isn't one for that game, it's unsatisfying to win. Conversely, if it's designed to be a really tough game like Dead of Winter, and then you throw a traitor in there who basically doesn't have to do anything until the last turn, and he just Fs everyone, well, like, that's unsatisfying too. Like, because the game was already hard enough, why are you going to throw a monkey wrench in at the last minute? You know, maybe that's memorable to some people, but it's just memorable in a frustrating way for me. Yeah, I haven't played it, but that sounds frustrating, I would, and I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> All right, so there's uh, some quick thoughts on semi-co-op. Sorry we didn't have uh, time for a full design discussion. But, Grant, it's been amazing having you on the show, man. Thank you so much, and good luck to you in your uh, content creation in these uh, COVID times in comedy, hopefully starting back up in a big way once we have uh, vaccines and all that kind of stuff. And in uh, your game, Curmudgeon. Hope it does uh, really well and keeps getting good word, good word of mouth. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I, I, I had a great time, and I appreciate you having me on. So, Grant, real quick, tell us the yeah. three places. One for your comedy, one for your game, one for your content. Where can they find them all? Comedy, you can find on just grantlion.com, L-Y-O-N, and that'll link to a bunch of stuff for me. Uh, content creation, my YouTube series uh, is Grant's Game Rex. Uh, that is just youtube.com slash Grant Lyon. Uh, and you can also see a bunch of stand-up clips on there. And the game uh, Curmudgeon is, um, if you just put Curmudgeon Game into the old Google machine, you'll find it. It's uh, 
You can get it direct through 25th Century, through Amazon, through you know different game markets like Miniature Market and that sort of stuff. So it's all out there, easy to find. Awesome. And please check out our new YouTube channel. That's something we've definitely put a lot of effort into. Our Twitch, if you're into Twitch, go check out our Twitch channel. It's all one-stop co-op shop. So for the YouTube channel, because one-stop co-op shop, the main channel is such a like huge goliath. If you just put in one-stop co-op shop, you probably won't find the stream channel. So you have to put the word streamed at the end of it, or uh, you're never going to find that content. Because <laughs> it is still a baby YouTube channel just starting out under the umbrella of one-stop co-op shop. But as Mike said, there's a lot of new content there. So yeah, definitely go check it out. We're excited about it. All right, everyone. Have a great week of gaming, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. See ya. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. I mean, clearly we're already getting fun banter, but... All right, right, everybody um, be serious. We're recording now. Yeah. (laughs) This is where I fall apart. Oh, what was the question? I'm sorry. I can't talk. (laughs) Well, this is, I mean, this is is live. I didn't tell you. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere right now. (laughs) Let me tell you, I realize how much of a bumbling idiot I am every time I get on Twitch, speaking of live. (laughs) Because listening back, I just can't even listen to myself. I'm like, wow, I stammer quite a bit. Well, you know. I got that impression of you in the first two minutes here, so you know it comes across quick, at least. Good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They, they, they'll, they'll forgive you. It'll be part of your charm. Yeah. <laughs> well, they they know then to just shut it off early, and they don't yeah. have to <laughs> anymore. Or they just tune in for a second. They're like, "Oh, this is one of the Peter episodes." God. Yeah. No, no, I'm out. I'm out. Then we'll introduce you. Uh, give you a chance to kind of talk about how you got into gaming how you uh, have added this kind of board game coverage to your more kind of standard comedy stuff. And you can just talk through game design too, like whatever you want to chat about. Totally. And we'll get into the uh, forgotten water stuff. And then, you know, we'll see how much time we have left. We'll do some discussion of semi co-op and how we feel about that in, uh, in games like forgotten waters, whether it's something we like or not and when it works better or worse. Ask a group of co-op players if they like semi-co-op. I wonder where that discussion's going to (laughs) go. Well, now we were just saying Grant designed a uh, competitive uh, party game. So who knows, man? He might hate co-op. Well, you know, that would be a a shame since this is one-stop co-op shop. Hey, Grant. Hey, what's up? This is a semi-co-op podcast because I don't like Mike very much. That didn't come through in the recording at all. I couldn't tell. <laughs> you, you, you bastard. You, you left me out of the hey thing. You've never said hey to somebody else. It's always hey, Mike. Like, <laughs> hey, somebody else. What are you doing, man? And then you, you mock me? Like the double shame? Jeez. Well, I feel I feel real special to get a hey. I didn't know I didn't know hey had so much weight behind it. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ask horses. <laughs>